Hello, everyone, and welcome to NASCA, the North and South Q&A featuring myself, Heath, and my co-host, State. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good, mate. Really good. Tonight, we are answering questions, not from ourselves, but from the North versus South FPL podcast listeners all around the world. We got a lot of good questions that have been built up over the last few weeks. They very kindly got to us and the way things have worked out with the international break, we thought, let's give you guys one full podcast and rather than a North and South Q&A for a specific individual, State and I are going to answer these questions together. We'll do the best that we can. So we, let's let's get firing. Well, we've got first question. It's from Liam SH. So Liam Shush. Shush. Liam Shush. So from Liam Shush. So, with many key players being so expensive, it makes it hard to fit them in with a good bench. Where should I invest? In my first 11 or my squad? Do you want to kick off this one? What do you yeah, think? I mean, I, I think that's a really good question. I think that every season there's many different issues that are kind of like occurring during FPL season. Like, I think last year with COVID, it's not really happened as much this year, but COVID last year was a big, big issue. And therefore, this year, now, I, I'm going to tell you how I play it. State, I'm sure you've got a different way. But for me, I always try and get a very good 12. I want to, especially if I've got Chelsea defenders or for State, in State's case, Man City defenders or, or Man City players, Chelsea players, in fact, because where I'm a bit worried and concerned that my players may not play every week, I want to make sure I've got one very good sub coming off the bench. And if that means that I lose points because they're on the bench, so be it. That's what I've kind of agreed in my own head for the season. And what I would always have is my 13, 14 and 15. So obviously sub goalkeeper as well. I'd always try and make sure that I have very cheap players who are guaranteed to start. So like a good example is Tino Liveramento at Southampton this year, who's an absolute bargain and, Ben Foster at Watford, who's playing in his only 4 million. So for me, I would always make sure I'd have a very good 12. And then the, the other three, I will basically sit back and, and kind of to a certain extent hope they don't have to come in. How about you, State? I like I liked my bench predominantly to be players who are playing as well. You know, I'd like to try and get a 15 out there or a 14, you know, 14, let's be more honest. I, I couldn't give a diddly squat about my subkeeper, to be fair. Don't waste any money on your subkeeper. Get it as cheap as possible. If they're a reserve keeper or if they're playing, you know, great. Like you said, Ben Foster, cheap as chips. And I'm, I'm not too fussed about that. But yeah, I want to get I want to get 14 players who I know are regularly playing and starting pretty much if I can do it. That way, you know, if worse comes to worse, and you know, he's mentioned about obviously picking Chelsea players or City players, which is what you do want to do because they're the, they're going to score you most points more, more often than not. You, you've got to always anticipate the the old roulette game that sometimes Pep plays, two shells sometimes plays as well. So I like to sort of think if I can have three people on my bench who I know start more often than not, then. A week like Musa Sissoko does for, for, for you, Heath, you're a star man, but at least you know he's going to get you a couple of points and that couple of points can just make a difference. I think for me, it, there's one issue at the moment that's kind of happening in FPL, which is someone around, you know, kind of getting in Tino Livramento, him being your second or third sub every week. 
and people are kicking themselves because they haven't got him in the starting lineup. But you have to convince yourself and remind yourself that you had the strategy at the beginning of the season that players like him were going to be your backups. And happy days if he's scoring points on your bench. But the fact is that he's there just in case your Azpilicueta's or Cancelo's aren't coming in. If you really genuinely think that he is good enough to be on your, in your starting lineup, well, then you've got to make that bold call as the season goes on yeah. and then get someone yeah. else so, cheap. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Don't bloody show some balls if you think it's going to happen. You know, don't fanny around thinking, "Oh, what if I'd have done this?" Well, just go ahead and do it. That's another thing I'd say. But you know, go use that gut instinct sometimes. Look at the fixtures. Maybe if you want to go into a bit more detail, if you looked into the fixtures recently, you see Southampton have had four very good you know opportunities to to win games, keep clean sheets, and they've done it in three games. So if you if you're thinking about it now, you, you're too late. So sometimes my thought going off on one but you can you know like like you said Eve, you've got him in there and if you start worrying about oh well he keeps scoring points well get him in he's scoring points he's in yeah. form unless they're playing against Liverpool or Man City in the next game then get him in there but then again they kept a clean sheet against Man City Southampton have kept five clean sheets out of 11 Premier League games this season already they're just shy of 50% there they've got Norwich in the next game so they could easily get to 16-12 and I'll tell you what if I've got a defender at that money and he's kept clean, six clean sheets in 12 games, he's starting most every week, basically, for me, because that's not bad odds. You'll take that because you don't expect your defenders to get your clean sheets every week. But every other week, that's a that's a you know a nice, juicy six points for you, pretty much guaranteed. So, yeah, stop thinking. Get him in if you're thinking like that. What else has Liam Shh got for us? Liam Shh has got... Who from the South can match Salah, Lukaku and Kane haven't got going this year? I'll answer this. Nobody, Liam. Nobody. <laughs> I don't I, need to explain myself. I, I, I do think that Hyungmin's son, oh, if, if Conte gets Spurs firing, I think Son could be the, the player. I still have my doubts about Kane. Lukaku, I, I think, does need a bit of time. He's coming back from his injury, hopefully, after this international break. But yeah, I think Son could be the player, but I just don't think he'll get close to Salah, really. I think he he's the kind of player who might score in two or three games or he just doesn't have the same consistency as Salah. But Conte's, yeah, I don't know. The thing is that we've spoken about Conte before and he, he is someone prone to playing a back five. And is he all about the getting the clean sheet? And that, does that kind of like stop Son from getting those points? Well, someone's got to get them and... Um, yeah, I would put I put money on him being the the star for Spurs whenever they play. Well, especially with Kane seem seemingly looking like he might be going to City in January, or if he's not, he seem, still seems a bit kind of frustrated at the the fact that he hasn't got the move. So, I'll tell you how Kane could match Salah is if he plays against San Marino and Albania most weeks in the league. You know, then then he could probably match Salah because you know. He could he could get the goals and the points that way, but yeah, like I said, I, li- I like how you tried there to to give a productive answer there, but for me, pointless. There is no you need three you need three or four players to 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 match Salah from the south because they're all shit. To be honest, like the the only person who was showing signs of that at the beginning of this season was Antonio, but you yeah. know he he can't keep he doesn't get that up so. Um, yeah, yeah so so to answer your question, Liam, I, I, I just don't think there is really. I think Sun's the only one that comes close, but that's still quite far off, I think. 
So, okay, well, we'll move on to the next set of questions. And this is coming from the fan of the show, Marcus Jackson. His first question is, do you think that FPL has an adverse effect on our enjoyment of the game? Most definitely. Of course yeah. it does. Oh, you're looking at the, the games that are on on Soccer Saturday. You know, whatever you do on a Saturday, whatever you, you know, you've gone out for a nice meal with the missus or, you know, looking after the kids or you play football or cricket, whatever you do, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're looking at the, the scores, but you're straight away on, right, who's got the goals? Who's got the assists? Oh, so they're keeping a clean sheet. Awesome. I've got Sons in my team. You know, you're looking at these things. And then... You know, you see that City a 4 0 up, or you see that Chelsea a 4 0 up, and you're like, none of your players are scoring any of the goals or getting assists. And it gives you a, and you're like, what a lot of crock. You know, it gives you that bad feeling in your head. It's like when you see your team, which, you know, you'll regularly get, get this heap. You know, when your team concedes a goal, you know, not doing how you want them to be doing, you get down about it. And it's the same with FPL. You know, you want your FPL team to be doing well because you're in group, you're in leagues with mates. You might be doing head to heads. You're in a group, and someone's going to be spouting off in the group saying, "Oh yeah, got so and so in my team this week, captained him, blah blah blah," and everyone's trigger happy, aren't they? Whereas you can't. Whereas you're just like, "Yeah, I've got bugger all happening in my team." So of course it does. It affects your enjoyment big time. You know, you because you, you you invested in FPL. If you manage to separate that enjoyment and keep that enjoyment levels at it, regardless of what your FPL team. Please send me a note of how you do it because I'd, I'd love to take that on board, but I just don't see it being possible myself because of that investment you get into it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm I'm 100% behind State saying, I, I think personally it's, it's improved my watching of the game. Like I actually decide to watch games specifically because I've got two or three FPL players playing. If If, say, for instance, it was Norwich versus Brentford or something, and I had, you know, Ivan Tony or um, Bomo or whoever, Raya. I'll, I might I'm watch a, the game. I'm a Bamadelli. I'm a Bamadelli, yeah. If, if, <laughs> I had any, yeah. if I had any of those guys in my team, I would be thinking I'd be up for watching <laughs> that just to see how they get on. And I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if I would still watch football as much if FPL wasn't around. I mean, apart from Watford. But, you know, like, realistically, I, I and I, to a certain extent... I guess maybe I would probably be more into gambling or something like that to, to add more enjoyment to the game. I don't know. I think maybe our generation is slightly different to the, the, the new generation coming through who, who only really want to watch highlights and aren't massively keen on watching live football. And there have been talks about the idea of changing, you know, football in a way that makes it more appealing to the younger audience. But I just wonder, like, I mean, I guess in a way, I suppose if, if you're intrigued by something like there, there are some football games out there that are really entertaining. And, you know, we've, we've had a few this season, like for instance, Liverpool Brentford that forget FPL, that game was one hell of a game. You would watch that quite happily, oh, yeah. but like where you have like certain managers, like Jose Mourinho have come into the game, you know, over the years and has sucked the fun out of it by playing this defensive minded football at times depending on the team he's got and how they're, what their form situation's like. But when you're seeing one nils and nil nils and I don't know, one ones and there's teams like Burnley and, and I hate to say it, I mean, probably even people probably look at Watford in the same way, but playing football in a certain way that you just kind of think, 
don't really want to watch yeah. that. But if you've got Ashley Barnes or if you've got yeah. Matt Loughton or something, <clears throat> then Burnley is suddenly an interesting team to watch. So, yeah, yeah it, it certainly has. And again, for me, it makes football so much more enjoyable. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, you, you're invested in it. Your interest is there, isn't it? And yeah, definitely perfect. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think his next question is kind of going down the same kind of lines. But as I'm sure with many people, how we enjoy a weekend of football may hinge greatly on the performance of our FPL team. What do you think makes us as players so fiercely competitive to our detriment and we can no longer watch a game as a neutral with zero player bias? I'll go first with this because I, I was just going to say, like, for me, personally, I think that FPL is, is, is almost like a job, like a fun job, but it's a job nonetheless that you have to log in to this website to change something about it, whether it be your formation, whether it be a sub, whether it be a transfer, whether it be your captain, whoever, you, you, you spend a lot of time thinking about that and you put a lot of effort into that. And I think that that really does mean that, you know, if you do well, you're on top of the world. All those decisions you've made have, you know, paid off. But if you don't and it goes the other way, it really does get you. There's been a lot of talk about people and mental health about this. And I know people, some people will laugh and go, it's just a game. But for some people out there, this isn't just a game. This is something they spend a lot of time on and they work hard at it. And the fact is that, you know, like State says, you be in your group chats, you're getting riffs from your, your mates for not doing well. We've, we've had people... One of my mates deleted his team out of the league halfway through the season. It was completely random. And honestly, I felt bad for him, but it was also quite funny. But <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah. thinking about it, maybe that wasn't the best way of doing it, just laughing in his face, because maybe he was having a real hard time about it. But at the time, I just thought, ah, oh, he's just, you know, quite a bad loser, you know, because that's just the way I look at things. And that's probably the worst way of looking at it. He probably needed a bit of help with that, but unfortunately we we were weren't so sympathetic but yeah i think i think it's the amount of time if you played the game blind and you just just took a chance on anything or you just you i think there is that that thing you can just start start the season let the let, you know basically let the game pick your team and just let it go yeah of course you'd have no you wouldn't care because you, you've not tried it's the amount of effort you put into this and everyone's in this day and age Everyone's busy. Everyone's got things going on. That's the reason why we only want to watch highlights and why the next generation only wants to watch highlights because we're busy as people. We've always got things going on. And therefore, you, if you're going to give this amount of time to something, it has to pay off. And if it doesn't, then you're frustrated. What do you think, mate? I can't disagree with you, to be fair, on, on those points because, yeah, it, it is that, you know. And you, you, you can see, you see from like looking at the, the Twitter community, you know, all the, the, you know, the podcasts out there and stuff, people take this seriously. They, you know, they, they enjoy doing it. They enjoy taking it seriously. They want to, you know, try and achieve something. You know, there's, you know, there's that ranking thing, you know, can you get, you know, into the top, you know, 100,000? Can you get in the top 50K, top 10K, top 100, you know, because somebody out there is in that sort of bracket. And you know they will take it seriously, and um, and yeah, I think it's you know it's like you said, it's for some people, it's you know it's, it's their way of life, you know, it's what they do, 
you know, it takes them away from whatever else they've got on in their life at the moment. FPL could be that it's their thing, it's something they enjoy doing, you know, and like I said, when you invest time in something, which a lot of people do, you, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna do that. And, you know, it, but then, it, you know, I think, um, I think he mentioned there was something in the question about, you know, having sort of, you know, potential biasness when it comes to obviously your senior players and, you know, looking and thinking, oh yeah, they're, they're doing well and stuff like that. And yeah, that's, that's natural natural thing in my opinion you know you, you you can't help but have that bias you know at the end of the day it, it's always going to be there when you watch a game and you've made a decision like you've you've kind of looked at a player and gone oh, i'll have a bit of this you know like so let's just say you brought in i don't know cancello and you're thinking I'll have a, uh, yeah United. yeah yeah and you're That's watching the example and you're watching the game and you're thinking to yourself everything he does it just oh that's the reason why i brought him he's such a good player uh, let's let's go probably go to the other scale. Let's let's not stick with one of the better players like Cancelo. Let's go for like Omabamadeli. There you go. You're watching yeah. Norwich City, and you're only watching him as a player, and therefore you're thinking, hey, he's doing all right. He's doing this. He's done that. Oh, he's played that well. It's good control. And you're thinking, and this is why I'm going to put in my team. Why he's on my bench? You know, why he's getting the two pointers and stuff, or whatever. And he's kind of delivering the, you know. Well, the, I was going to say the gold, but not so much at the moment. Maybe maybe Neil yeah. Smith can get something out of him. But well, I don't know. Do you, do you get that when you're watching a game where you you feel like you're justifying your decision by, like Marcus says, about if they're doing well, yeah, of course you are. But I'm I'm I know you're saying you try and look for the good in them, and sometimes uh, yeah, like you can then be blinded by the fact that look, they might be doing some good, but at least scoring your fantasy points, probably not. Sometimes, um, and I think you know sometimes you can then sort of put yourself. Like you said, there's the flip to the coin. Your friend who, you know, left the league or something, you know, was this team doing that badly? And he could have been watching the game thinking, yeah, I've just put Harry Kane in. He scored six goals in his last three games. I've put him in. He couldn't have a barn door now sort of thing. And, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm just cursed it. I'm picking that. So you, there is the flip coin. And I'm pretty sure there are people with the, the glass half empty type people who will be thinking it on the flip coin, you know, when they're watching the games and thinking, oh, God. He ain't gonna score any points, you know, blah blah blah. Um, so I think you know it can work both ways, can't it? To be fair, like everybody can, I think. But you know, I, I personally, yeah, do look at it and think, oh yeah, he's doing good things, and yeah, you are looking to justify it, and you know, like I said, try and you know give your ego a nice rub in the in the right direction and stuff. How, all right, okay, so this next question's just for you, State. So head to head with your legendary co-host Heath. How confident would you be at the end of the season if both of your MVPs had their points removed from their to final totals? So this would obviously be Salah and a Southern player to be confirmed, perhaps someone like Sun. That's a very, very interesting question. If you're a self-proclaimed legend, what does that make me? I'm only, I'm only reading what he's you know, put on the question, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a good question. Well, okay, I'm... I'm gonna do a Rafa Benitez. I, I won't try and I'll try and do some sort of accent, but it won't be anything like it's that. It's probably best not I, to. I, I, want, I want I want to talk about facts. No, okay? def talk definitely, about some definitely facts. don't do the accent. No, yeah, we I don't know what that was. Well, I'm gonna talk about facts, okay? In my northern accent, facts, right? So, how <laughs> almost all points get deducted from my entire team's tally right this minute, okay? 
117 points come off my team, right? That would then put me on a grand total of 531 points right now. Heapy's on 538 points. So who's the player you've had in all season? And you've had Sun in all season, haven't you? Okay. So your techie's what, 50, 58 points off. And guess what? I'm still winning. Wouldn't your best player normally be your captain? So wouldn't it be you taking out the double points? No, not always. Not always, Heath. So, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, talk, I'm not talking like that because I'd have captain someone else who'd be a superstar and score me back to points. You know, Cancelo, <laughs> you know, there you go. Another 68 points then from Cancelo. All, all good, you know. It'll make, it'll make life closer. Put it that way. It would I make don't life a little I don't, bit I don't think you've actually had a good captain outside of Salah and then this week Cancelo of Sods all, but, you know, I think you well, would no, be... Because I've, I think I've only captain Salah, to be fair. That's what I'm saying. I mean, captain Ronaldo once. Yeah, but yeah. you know someone's good. But, yeah, I mean, look, I understand the question, but it's, if, it, if, it, if I was to take Salah out, I'd have found someone who was still scoring with some points. Yeah, not as much as him. But I, I'm, I'm going to throw it out to Marcus, Marcus Jackson and say to him, um, can you do your research and find this out for us, please? Because I, I genuinely mm-hmm. think I would be... Smashing it. <laughs> Although last year I would have I would have lost comfortably. You wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't be smashing it because like I said, you know, you I mean your captains, yeah, they haven't done well for you this season, but you know, you take away, you know, fifty-eight points still, you you're still in you're still in for some big trouble. I think mm-hmm. it'd just make it competitive. I'd have probably had someone like Mane if I didn't have Salah. Well no, I definitely would have done. He's got fifty-nine points this season. But you know, so I'd have I'd have had an adequate replacement lined up. The beauty of being up north is you've got the better players. Yeah. No, we'll see. We'll see. There's a long way to go. New managers coming in. Manager bounces. Oh, they got rid of the legend that is Heath. Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, there's no manager bounce here. It's still very flat. Never mind. Never mind. Don't worry. He'll come come for you, I'm sure, until you get to rub my face in it when, when you come back at some point this season so it's fine it's fine <laughs> but no it's a good question I think yeah you look into it obviously realistically I'm sure yeah it'd make things very close if I if I didn't have Salah but I think your problem with that is you know Heath doesn't have an MVP really that's the problem yeah. no but I think that, that is that is the point though isn't it it's the fact that my points have been spread around the team whereas yours have gone to a specific player <laughs> Should we, should we move right players. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you could have had Reese James in the last three weeks where he's got I know, I know. Chose I not know. to put him in. That, that's the difference, you see. I have the ability to pick the players who are going to score the big points. He just relies on cumulatively from a team, which is clearly not working this season. Oh, that's Thank better, he better, he better be back. <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> He's not exactly a big point scorer. If you're not going Reese James or Ben Chilwell from the Chelsea defenders, you've got issues with yourself, and your board will be talking to you about that in the next in the next meeting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, uh, but good question still. Um, so moving on, we've got Deej next. Deej. So Deej's question. I'll let you answer this one here first. Um, how much attention do you pay to finding differential players? Or do you just stick to buying players with a known pedigree? You know, sort of past performance is no indicate is 
and he's put in brackets past performance is no indicative of future results. Yeah, so I'm just going to, uh, when I read this question, I, I did think to myself, I'm, I'm just going to go back to the very beginning of the, the season. How do I pick my team from the very start? And then I'll move on. So just to kind of give you an idea. So what I do is I, I, my team will always start with an initial group of players who score highly from the season before, Salah or Son being an example, someone like Trent or Cancelo. And then I move on to, you know, once I've kind of got a certain amount and I know that I can't have too many big players, then I'll look at any players who've got a good set of fixtures for the first five game weeks. Or I suppose if we're going through the season, I'll, I'll be looking to bring in players who have got good fixtures for the next game, five game weeks. Then I'll have the ever presence to certain teams. So you're looking at players like Rafinha or Antonio, the cheaper players, the ones who you can, you know, you don't have to worry too much about having too many of those because they're not massively expensive. But you know they're going to play every week for their respective team. But you know that you're probably going to have to take them out if they're playing Man City away or Liverpool away, really, because uh, you're most likely going to see a two-pointer. After that, any new players who look good value but maybe a differential. A good example would be Simicas. I, I couldn't obviously pick him, but every a lot of people were picking them first couple of game weeks of the season because Robertson was injured. He was four million. A lot of people took a risk on him. And then now yeah. Robertson's injured again. People are talking about him again. He's he's good value for money. Livermento is a good option, actually. Now that he's got going, he's not necessarily differential now because a lot of people know about him. But he's a good example of someone who's good value. And then your differentials are your promoted players, your players with poor fixtures, injury prone. So like someone like, I would say, Callum Wilson, injury prone, promoted player, someone like Ivan Tony, And then as the season's going on, I will then look to jump on differentials who have gone, basically gone above and beyond. So someone like Mares and Vardy, the season less had that great season. They were both so cheap. It was about how quickly could you jump on someone like that? How much faith did you have that they would carry on with the way they were playing? I've got to be honest, I think that was one of my worst seasons because I didn't have any faith in them whatsoever. I just thought that it was always going to come to an end and that Man City and Chelsea or whoever would win the league, which didn't happen. And and then someone else like Kane or Ali, Kane, young player coming through at Spurs at one point, only four and a half million. It's a big risk to put him in your team early on because you didn't know how good he was. And Ali coming from MK Dons, again, very cheap, didn't know how good he was going to be in Spurs and both of them thrived initially but I think basically what I'm trying to say is you can't obviously you can't have a team full of the best players because you can't afford them right but you've got to have like different pockets of different players within that team and I think when it comes to differential players so like Conor Gallagher right now he's a really good example of a great differential player where you know that he's cheap for a reason he's not the best player in the league. So therefore he's going to be fairly, you know, he's he's playing for a team like Crystal Palace where you weren't sure if they were going to be fighting relegation or what. I find that I pay attention to the differential players once the season gets going and I've given them a couple of weeks to work out how, how they've settled into a team and stuff like that. In that first, first kind of team you pick, you can take a risk with one or two 
but realistically you don't want to take the risk with too many because if you find yourself with a differential player who's not hitting and he's struggling say for instance like Norman at Norwich like we can see he's a good player he's be a fantastic differential if Norwich start getting results but you know he's scored one the other day but he's not really done a huge amount so you'd be kicking yourself if you had him over say Gallagher Gallagher's been you know scoring assisting been in the mixer he's even doing it away at City so it's just about kind of like knowing when and where to go with the differentials. And for me, I just think that the reason why they're differential is because they're a risk. And it's all about managing your risk, not having too many of those players. So, yeah, I would say that to answer the question, I guess, and that was a very long-winded way of saying it, but 75% of my team will be known players, you know, good pedigree, and then 25% differentials, and that's including my bench. So yeah. that's how I would do it. And I'd, I'd have maybe one or two risks. And then as season goes on, I, I would imagine that it might get more 60-40, and I would have, you know, maybe less known players and more differentials as they go on because I've kind of given them a chance to settle into their respective team. Good answer. And I think, you know, a lot of insight there as to, the way that you know people should you know definitely take a look at it and different ways to look at it as well. I mean, my, my own thoughts on it. I mean, you, you, you know, you say a number of things there. I mean, the Simicus thing at the start of the season for me it was an obvious one. I had him in those first few game weeks when Robertson was out, and you know, you hear good things about him, you know, ask your mates about it and you know, oh, do you know much about this player or something? But I think the other thing, you know, if you're looking for a differential is right. Like, you know, he mentioned about newcomers to the league, but look for those players who were maybe out of position. So, you, you know, you, you people who have been down in, in FPL's defenders, but playing as midfielders, for example, like, you know, last season, you know, Stuart Dallas, he was down as a defender. But he Lundstrom but they were playing as like you were, you know a midfield four they were in there and they were getting four scoring goals and if the club kept clean sheets on top of it brilliant you know you're getting six points but they were getting forward and getting goals and assists more because they were playing further forward and it's like you know you then move up a level look at your midfielders who are actually playing up front I'm not saying the obvious ones like your Sowers and that but I'm saying you know for example in this season Cornet or Cornet however you want to refer to him, he's basically playing that number 10 role with Chris Wood right there. And he's down as a midfielder. And he's, you know, what, 6 million at the moment. So it's it's looking at those people. Rafina at Leeds, he's 6.5, but he plays in the front three, Rafina, and everything goes through him. And he's the one who's doing it. So, you know, differentials like that. I know probably a lot more people have got Rafina in because, of, you know, last season he was quality for Leeds. But, you know, that's what you've got to look for as well. players who have been put in incorrect positions by the game's failure to, to realise that they're not playing in that, you know, take advantage of that, to be honest with you. I'm not slating, well, I am slating the game a little bit there, but that's a different beef I've got. But, you know, use those things though to your advantage, you know, play them, you know, and do, and, and have them have them there. That, that can, can, that can also there. work against you though. If you think about Aubameyang yeah. last year, I mean, I remember when we start, we first started doing this and I, I had Aubameyang in without, I doubt it was like, well, he's obviously not a midfielder. He's definitely a striker, but they put him down as a midfielder because Salah's in the same position. So they had to do that. And, 
yeah, he, he had a dreadful season and it was such yeah. a waste of money. But it, 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 again, that's still a risk, isn't it? But there yeah. are certain oh, players, yeah. like you say, I mean, Trent is a good example of someone who is technically not out of position, but is because I mean, he plays yeah. Yeah. Cancelo. I mean, and... But the way the team lets them play is, a, you know, is the huge benefit there, isn't it? You know, you look at the teams like Liverpool and City, you're going to be dominating most games in terms of possession, being in the other team's half as well. So, you know, those players are going to get the ball in more dangerous positions and you know that. So, you know, you've got to be and using that to your advantage, basically. Um, so I, I tell yeah, you the other thing also, yeah. just, to, just to add to this as well, the way that State and I play this game means that differential players aren't as important because we don't have to worry about so much about, you know, kind of, I can't get Trent in, I can't get, get Salah in. So therefore, I actually have, you know, plenty of money to work with. So it's like that's really not a huge problem for the way that we play the game in the fact that we can only pick, State can only pick Northern players, I can only pick Southern players. So that's not really going to affect us in this way of playing it. If you're playing it like normal players and you can pick anyone, you have to have differentials. You just have to have some because otherwise you just... And I tell you, the best, the best time is when you have differential players. I, I think I had Suchek last year and he just, you know, he was brilliant. Maybe, in fact, no, sorry, maybe it's the year before. Yeah, and he was just absolutely brilliant because he was like, deemed a holding midfielder and he was just mm. scoring from every corner and it, yeah, it just seemed yeah, like and ev every chance yeah every chance West Ham had it, it, they were struggling at the time as well so it was yeah it's two years ago the second half of the season it, it was just brilliant and, and the other one was at Sue Thao as well he he was brilliant as well because he was just playing like a you know Cancelo or Trent you know he was miles up the pitch and he was getting in really good positions getting assist after assist West Ham weren't keeping clean sheets that year because they were struggling against relegation, but he was getting points, whatever. If you had those two in at that point, you were absolutely laughing. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's what... I think this is what fantasy football is all about. You know, taking a chance, taking a risk here and there, and when it works, rubbing it in your mate's faces. <laughs> yeah. Always. You've got to do that. You have to do that. If you don't, you're silly. What's the point in playing the game? If you exactly. And, and this, is, this is the whole thing about it. I know we're, going, we're, we're kind of going a bit up and down with this, but, you know, there are people out there who do struggle when it's not going their way. But for me personally, my advice to anyone is if you find yourself in that position, you have to really evaluate what you're doing with this game because for me, it's still a game. You should have fun with it. You know, if you're, if you're not having fun with it, do, do something different. Try, try something, yeah. you know, like basically, uh, I mean, there, there's all sorts of ways of playing this game. But for me, it's like if I'm having a bad season, I'll just take all sorts of risks. I think I've got nothing to lose. What's the point of finishing if, if I'm not going to win my mini leagues? What's the point of finishing second or finishing 10th? It doesn't matter. So make Antonio captain, triple captain against, you know, Norwich or whatever. Go for it. No one else yeah. is going to do it, really. So just take a risk, you know, enjoy it. And then basically when, when it doesn't happen or if it, if it does happen, brilliant, happy days, you, you might kind of catch up on some people. If it doesn't, then, you know, realistically, you take another risk, an even bigger risk or something. You, you bring in a player that you would never normally bring in. No one else has. You look at the, the percentage owned or whatever, 
and yeah. and just just bring players in who aren't owned very heavily and and just see how you get on but yeah i just i just think that that for me is is quite key i, I really want to emphasize that where it's the fact that if you're really struggling in this game take a step back think about it and ask yourself a question should i be this stressed about this and if the answer is you know i am stressed try and turn it into a game try and turn it into fun again because you know if you're not going to win the game let's be honest in a top thousand maybe ten thousand one season if everything goes to plan but you're never going to win the game really someone does yeah but out of eight million (laughs) i mean come on yeah it's difficult it's difficult yeah you got a needle in a haystack type thing definitely but yeah yeah, in in a way my uh, logic of if you're not going to win it you might as well not bother means that probably every year i should i shouldn't have been bothering <laughs> yeah well you know you'll you'll think after this year as well i'm sure <laughs> now but now good good first question from dean she's got another one here as well so do you care about the fluctuations in squad value i mean i'll answer straight away i couldn't give a diddly squat about my squad value to be fair People talk to me about it. Yeah, no, it can probably benefit you because you can sell some players. If you, your squad value is higher, it means you're obviously you know able to you could sell players for more than you what you bought them for. But I've never I've never been that interested in my squad value. To be fair, it's never bothered me one bit. I just want to, as you know, I know it means that if your squad value is high, your players are going up, so they must be performing. But I don't really pay attention to that. Them scoring points tells me if they're performing. I don't need a squad value to tell me that personally. So for me, don't bother me. Yeah, I think for me, it's the icing on the cake of when I'm doing well, I'll kind of like give myself a pat on the back and I'll start looking at, you know, squad value as if like, of course it's what it's, you know, 103.2 million at the moment because I'm doing so well this season. Everything's paying off. This guy's gone up in value. This guy's, I only really look at it if I'm doing really well. And to be honest, I've not done that well for a couple of years, so I've not really cared too much for it. I think I'll, yeah. I mean, value-wise, I will always look at if, if let's just say I've got a player and I, I need to take him out, he's injured. I'm definitely taking him out. And the player I want to bring in has just had a really good week. That's the only time I care about value is when I'm worried about not having the, the amount and I don't want to make a second transfer or third transfer. I need to... I don't want to feel like I'm forced into a transfer early, but if I have to do that, that's the only time I really look at what the value of, you know, kind of players, but squad, not really. I'd say only when I'm having a, a stormer. Yeah. No, no, like I said, no, completely agree. Don't, don't bother me in the slightest. And then finally, Deej says, why is George's team called the, the what? Well, it says club, but spelled C L W B. Is this some southern thing? This doesn't I, sound I, like the northern thing. No, I, I don't. Uh, my guess is that it's a tribute to his favourite TV show, Gavin and Stacey, because that looks like a Welsh spelling of club with a W in there. Because those Welshies, mm. they just throw all sorts of letters uh, <laughs> in all sorts of uh, orders. Now, the only other thing I could think of is that maybe he rushed his team sign up and he didn't check his spelling. I, mean, I don't w know. And you and no, nowhere near each other on the keyboard, so that, that's just that's not good. And and then he's then he's done what the kids do. I've been told sick in brackets. You know, SIC. I mean, seriously, mate. If you're not feeling well, 
they, they, the they just they like, yeah. I think probably our age or maybe so I think he might be either slightly older, slightly younger. So Deej, start acting your age, son. Come on now. We're not we're not we're not these people. Okay. What, what what do you think? Why do you think George's team is called the the club? I, I was trying to think, is it some sort of sandwich, maybe, you know, like you get a BLT or something like that. But yeah. <laughs> the CLW. Um, you know, yeah, the CLW. So I'm thinking what it could be. Um, you know, chicken, lettuce with bacon. Bacon. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with that because that sounds so much better. That does to be fair. Chicken, lettuce with bacon. That's why his team's called Club, spelled with a W instead of a U. Yeah, thank you. I've, I've answered that well. Do you know what Club Sandwich stands for? Like Club. What, the actual Club Sandwich? Yeah, because obviously you've got BLT, right? Bacon, lettuce and tomato, right? But did you know that Club stands for something? Because they, they used to get sold in them. In clubs, I don't know. No, no, this is the thing. I, I don't. I think this might be a Kirby enthusiasm thing, but it's it's chicken, lettuce under bacon. <laughs> Do you know that? Yeah. And that that's no, why I, I thought you would know that because it sounded like you you yeah. gone down the same lines. No, nah, I don't like lettuce. So I'd never order. <laughs> so yours would just be a, a cub. <laughs> yeah. Chicken much, yeah. under bacon, just nothing else, yeah. just chicken and bacon. Carnival, me, carnival. <laughs> you know, I, I might, I might get rid of that green. Yeah, yeah. I'm the T-Rex <laughs> in Jurassic Park, mate. You know, just meat. <laughs> Give me the meat to hunt. Thank you. That's that's the way forward. <laughs> but yeah. Well, DJ, yeah, uh, I think the answer is we don't know. Sorry. No. Yeah. Sorry, DJ. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. So, yeah, so let, let's let's move on to our, our next question from our next listener. So this is from Ross. Um, I only put one question out there. Very lazy. Sorry, Ross. Do you, do you think the bonus point system is fair? Or does it tend to reward certain players more than others? I think, you know, the bonus system is, is difficult to do it, but I think it definitely tends to favour certain players more than others, especially more now. I mean... I think we discussed this actually briefly a few in a podcast a little while back about, in particular, goalkeepers getting bonus points and stuff, and you know how a, a, a keeper like Nick Pope, who had a great year a few years ago, got well, getting bonus points galore, making lots of saves and stuff like that. But you know if he does that well now, he doesn't seem to do it because his pass ratio is not as good. You know he's not he's not pinging you know passes out. You know he's not. You know, a lot of these ball playing keepers, their stats go up because they're, they're getting more touches on the ball, they're playing more passes. You know, you've got people like Edison, you know, peeing 60 yard, 70 yard balls onto, you know, Phil Foden's first touch and getting assists, sort of thing. So, I mean, you know, I think for goalkeepers, it's definitely favouring the ball playing goalkeepers more than, you know, just a keeper who's doing his job. He's been told, you know, to get the ball forward. Why should we punish for that? Just because it's, no, it's, 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 it's the other way around, mate. It's it's the fact that Pope did get a lot of bonus points because he wasn't playing out of the back, because his defenders wouldn't play it around the back. So the 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 whole bonus point thing was that Man City defenders are more likely to get bonus points. So Edison isn't going to get any because they play the ball a lot and they get the ball a lot and they pass it and complete a lot of passes. Whereas Bernie defenders I don't, don't, I don't do that. I haven't seen it. 
I ain't no, seen it that so, way. So when, when Pope had that season, he had a really good season. He was getting bonus points all the time was because he was making a lot of saves, but Burnley's defenders weren't getting bonus points because they don't play the ball out from the back. They go It goes over their heads, basically, from Pope's long clearances. So that it was the other way around. He was getting loads of bonus points because they weren't playing out from the back. Whereas like Edison, for instance, won't get bonus points because if they keep a clean sheet, the bonus points will go to Cancelo and maybe Carl Walker or Diaz because they'll be playing the ball intricately around with Fernandino and whoever. And it will just be constantly getting the ball in defence. And, you know, the only time Edison's going to get bonus points is if he gets an assist or if he saves a penalty. So it's, it, you're right, it does favour some over the others, but it's actually the other way around when it comes to oh, right, which players. See, and Yeah. It shows, it shows how much interest I've got well, in the Burnley yeah. system. No, and, it, and this, yeah. this, is, this is what I was going to say. I think you're right, and I think that that's the problem. I think that, that your casual FPL fan needs to know just as much as the person who's just stuck his team in and the person who focuses on his team, you know, hundreds of times a day you, you have to have like a kind of an agreed way of you know putting those bonus points together and then sticking to it but keeping it as simple as possible so everyone can understand it and therefore we know who to go for at the moment you don't really have to be a genius to work out that you don't want to have any defensive midfielders and realistically you don't have to worry too much about getting excited about goalkeepers because again They'll get a clean sheet, but the only time they save a penalty. Yeah, they get the save points and they'll save penalties. Um, but realistically, the save points only really happens when they're playing against the better teams, and then you probably won't likely pick them because you think they won't keep a clean sheet. So it's quite tough. Yeah, with with goalkeepers, I don't I don't think people care too much for them really. I think that they're probably the the position that we probably care about the least. And then defensive midfielders are just non-existent in, in in FPL unless you're looking for a third sub and you want a Musa Sissoko or you want a Josh Brownhill or whoever just to put as a third sub and just sit there all season. But yeah, no, the the bonus point system is not fair, but it's 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 like reliable. It's kind of like easy to kind of understand at the moment. So if you overcomplicate you know, against goals, yeah, you know you play against goals and assists, he's going to get some bonus points. Yeah, but if you overcomplicate it and you start going defensive midfielders, if they make tackles and they start getting bonus points and all this kind of stuff, I think it would just be t- too much for the casual FPL fan. I think you just need to say, what's the most important thing? Clean sheets, goals, assists, bang, and and like you say, penalty saves or whatever. What? What, what if they went off something like then, you know, whoever's doing the commentary for, for that for that particular game, because every game in the Premier League has a commentary, whether it's radio, whether it's you know on telly or something like that. You know, what if they you know get them to this you know dish out the the, the bonus points three two and a one. You know, so yeah. Then, you know, so, someone could someone who has an absolute. I mean, how many games has Angolo Kante been man of the match? In, on Super Sunday when Chelsea won the league a few years ago or Leicester, probably loads, but he'll have got no bonus points in that game, even though he was probably I, I, the I just, key yeah. factor of them winning the game. You know, I so. just I just think it's very tough because if, for instance, Kante's 
had an incredible game. But then, you know, I don't know, Kai Havertz has scored the winner in the last minute. You know, if Kai Havertz hasn't scored that goal, even if it's a tap-in, they don't win the game, right? Kante can play, he can do that all day long, but they don't win the game because he hasn't scored the goal. But, but Kante has broken up attack after attack after attack, which stops the other team possibly going on and scoring two or three goals. And yeah, no. It sets up the game and, you know, create helps do the, the, the start, starting all the moves off, winning the ball back, pushing forward, doing the, the pre-assist, assist or whatever. And it's, it's no recognition. And what's what's I, the hardest I, thing to do in football? Well, score a goal probably. You know, well, I suppose... Any, anyone can that. tackle, anyone can pass, anyone can cross and all this kind of stuff. So it's the whole idea is that... Don't yes. know. Do you see Paul Scholes? Paul Scholes can tackle. <laughs> he likes feet though. Um, Not, oh yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird. Um, but yeah, yeah no, no. I, I just think that I think with that, that's where it's tough. I mean, we we used to laugh about it. I think the bonus point system has improved over the years because when I used to FPL five, six, seven years ago, my mates and I used to always laugh at the fact that someone like let's just say. I don't know, Carlos Tevez or whatever, just does absolutely nothing, just hangs on the last defender all game, does absolutely nothing. And then the last minute scores, gets three bonus points. You're like, he's had an awful game, but he scored the winning goal. You know, it was always that thing. It didn't seem fair, but at the same time, I guess to a certain extent, it is that whole thing of that. I think that they work out bonus points for strikers or any any position but it's, it's it's something about the percentage of the chances you've taken so if say Tevez hasn't touched the ball all game but scores the winning goal with his first shot on target there's a hundred percent shot kind of ratio that's that that looks really good like and therefore there's he a, gets three bonus yeah. points there's, there's an app you can use for in-game sort of bonus points as well so you know to if you want to take more look into that there is yeah there is so, yeah um so you can you can do that. Um, you know, we're not here to advertise it because it's unfair. So um, no, and, and personally, to find I, themselves, but, yeah, yeah. Per- personally, I've not used it myself because I just think that that would overcomplicate it for me. I don't think I would enjoy it. I, I think I need to just kind of go back to you got everything's all about being simple. You know, if if you overcomplicate anything, then your brain gets scrambled and you lose interest. So it's all about keeping it as simple as possible and just going to yourself. I know I don't have to worry too much about goalkeepers. So I could go six million goalkeeper and keep them there all season with a four million def- um, like backup who's not going to play at all. And then never ever pick a defensive midfielder in your starting lineup. If you're going to have them in there, it's only for value and it's because they're very cheap and you stick them third sub and you just don't touch them all season. Basically, like your backup goal, goalkeeper, or with your goalkeepers, actually, you can always go for the 4.5, two for 4.5s and rotate them around. But yeah, so I, I would just say I don't think the bonus point system is fair, Ross, but I don't think that I'd necessarily want to change it too much because I just think that it kind of just Where's about the works. Option? Maybe. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Brings us on to our next person. At FPL underscore Senate, the FPL teacher, who's um, an avid listener and um, gets in touch with him on our tw- on our Twitter page. So thank you for sharing our podcasts. What's your ideal starting eleven with three Chelsea, three Liverpool, and three Man City players? The remaining two are up to you to to add in there. 
All right. So what I read from that was that there was no value on this. So I was just yeah. going to pick the best players, like the FPL players. So I've got Edison in goal. I've got Trent, Rudiger, Reese James, Cancelo, Diaz, Salah, Mane, Fernandez, Lukaku. I'm missing a striker. Antonio, Antonio. So my goalkeeper, I'd go for Mendy in goal. I think Chelsea's came off being shit personally than most teams. So that's why I think Mendy would be my one. Defensively, Trent Alexander Arnold, Reese James, Cancelo. That's, you know, I think three definite stairs there. So I've used two Chelsea players already, which is fine because won't be, you know. I'll leave the, the last one to later on. Um, so my midfield ones then. So I then go for Salah and Mane. <clears throat> Excuse me. Salah Mane. I also go for Phil Foden, which is in a, a second City player. And then I also went for... It's a bit, he hasn't had a great season so far, but I think he's about to start coming good. I'm, I then went for Kevin De Bruyne as my third Man City player to use up. So, yeah, good shot. So there you go. Yeah, so so that so that leaves that, and then I've obviously got one more Chelsea striker to put in there, um, who would be Lukaku, um, my Chelsea player, and then I would have then Cristiano Ronaldo, and I would go for Jamie Vardy. I knew you'd go Vardy. You absolutely love Vardy, don't you? Well, his stats tell you why. So you know, he's yeah. old. Doesn't do anything anymore. He's got seven goals this season. How can you say that? What a ridiculous thing to say. Just got lucky. Fuck it. He's got, he must, he's, he's, I'll tell you what, if he's got lucky, I'm liking his luck given the last six, five or six seasons. How's he got on luck. in the last couple of weeks? Uh, yeah. That run was out, he's run out of steam. His nah, pre-season's kind of dried up already. He's had a nice <laughs> break now and he's going to come back good again. Don't you worry. He's run out of steam. How's Harry Kane, and, how's Harry Kane doing for you this season still? I'm not part of the Harry Kane Appreciation Society at the moment. He's he's in your, he's in your squad, though, isn't he? He's on my shit list. <laughs> and he, answer, answer my question. Is he in your squad? Probably, yeah. Seven goals in two games. Got to be in there. How many goals has he scored in his last three <laughs> Premier League games? Not enough. That's my answer. Going back to this, the, the three of each of those teams... I would say De Bruyne is the only one you picked in there that I would think actually on any given kind of season I would pick De Bruyne, but he's just you know it doesn't seem to be going for him at the moment. I don't know if he's got a niggling injury or something, but just doesn't seem to be getting any assists or goals. I think I think that'll all start changing. He's obviously had a bit of time out, a bit of injuries, and they've not rushed him back because they're not necessarily had to rush him back. But no. um, I think I think he's. I think he'll he'll start coming good now, and but I suppose yeah, he is looking like he's playing a little bit deeper as well, which sometimes will then mean he's not going to maybe get the additional goals that he's had in previous seasons, and maybe he might be the pre-assist person, but he's still going to take free kicks, corners, and stuff like that as well. But I think he'll start playing a lot more regularly now. Obviously, he can't be affording to drop many points because you know obviously Chelsea are doing really well. And so I think you know they're going to be playing him, whether it's a deeper role, more advanced role. He's going to be the one dictating the play for them. Um, you know, and I think he'll start coming good. Would you consider rolling with it for the next four to six game weeks as well? I'm guessing it means the teams that we just said. Well, 
yeah, well, the only problem is we probably won't be able to afford it. That's the only issue, I think, with that question. Oh, okay. I, I read that wrong because I thought he was saying, would you consider rolling transfers? But I think I just read rolling and just assumed transfers. <laughs> and my answer mm. to that FPL teacher is, I'd always consider rolling transfers whenever I can and then look forward to taking two transfers, uh, maybe yeah. even three, and take a hit. Just so it's like a mini wild card. Always mm-hmm. enjoy that. In fact, yeah. I've I've rolled my transfers this week, so I've got two glorious transfers to look forward to before this game week coming up. Yeah. Hello, Reese James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about being late to the bloody party. Yeah, only slightly late, <laughs> only four weeks late. Yeah. Would you target Man United as a fixture like Norwich, Burnley, Leeds, and Newcastle? Yeah, hundred percent. For me, I look at Man United and think flat track bullies. I just just see them as a team that if they score first in any fixture, they then become very dangerous because they've got a really good counter-attacking set of players. I think it, it, ha- it is a bit flat at the moment at United, but I do think that they have the tendency, if they do score early, to basically put a lot of pressure on these teams. And these teams at the moment, will be fancying their chances against Man United and may open themselves up a little bit more than they normally would do. But when you've got players like Bruno Fernandes, Mason Greenwood, Marcus Rashford, and obviously Cristiano Ronaldo, trust me, I'll be playing. If I, if I could pick Man United players right now, I'd have two or three for that, that run of fixtures, definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, especially, I think you look at United away from home, they're very good away from home because they can play that more counter-attacking style, which they're clearly better at because of that pace. You know, look at them. I mean, away from home this season, they've won, I think, well, they've beaten Spurs, Leicester, West Ham, Wolves. So they've won four and they drew one game with Southampton. That's what they've done. Um, you know, at home, they beat Leeds, they beat Newcastle. But then, since then... They've drawn, they've lost to Villa, drawn with Everton, and lost to Liverpool and Man City. So, what does it tell you? you know, this away form, I mean, I think they're unbeaten away from home in the Premier League in a ridiculous amount of games. I think they've set a record on that, to be fair. So, away from home, I think United's game suits it because they, 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 they hit on the break a bit more. They, they sort of play that way. Whereas at home, when, the, when they've got to try and take the impetus on, that's where they seem to sort of struggle a little bit. Um, so I would view Man United as a, you know, at the moment, an away team to, to pick when they're playing away, pick their players, get them looking at those. You know, they've got Watford and Chelsea away in the next two games. I mean, everyone will fancy them to beat Watford, I'm sure. Even a lot of Watford fans probably might do Chelsea. They could definitely go to Chelsea and get smoked with the way they play away from home. Well, this final question. Do you embrace or try to eliminate your biases? Like, have you got confirmation bias? You know, trusting support players or you, you own. You know, recency bias. You know, how much last game we made decisions. Hindsight bias. You know, Salah Hall's predictable after it happens. People say, it, but pretty predictable beforehand. I think. But how, what do you do to do you embrace it or do you try and get rid of those things, Heath? Yeah. So confirmation bias. So. Trust in XG to support what you, you want, what players you want and stuff. Personally, I do not worry about statistics. I look at fixtures. I look at form. 
I never look at stats. I never look at XG. I never, and, and this is, could be my detriment. It could be reason why I'm not, you know, doing that well at times. But for me, it's, it's just all about the, the element of instincts within my, my brain when it comes to FPL. I look at players, like I say, right now, I'm looking at Conor Gallagher, should have had him in a few weeks ago. I'm looking at Reese James, should have had him in a few weeks ago. Livermento, I should have had of him from the beginning of the season, but for whatever reason, I don't have them in. And I just like, they're, they're all form players at the moment. They're all kind of like players that I don't even have no idea what their XG is right now, but I'm just thinking they've been scoring big points. I should bring it, be bringing them in, which then works to towards my recency bias, which I don't personally have recency bias when it comes to the last game week. So like ha- whatever happened in last game week, I'm not too fussed about unless someone scored a hat trick and could have had more chances. I- I'll think about them. So like Antonio, if I didn't have Antonio, he scored a hat trick against, let's just say Aston Villa. He could have had four, five, six, maybe, maybe I might pick him, but I would be thinking I want to see another week. and I'd like to see him two weeks. So I have recency bias when it comes to maybe the last three game weeks maybe if if they've been performing for three game weeks in a row and i haven't got them a team they've got to go in that's my recency bias so i wouldn't have it specifically just for one i'd have to have two or three to kind of back up the the first one and then hindsight bias always 100% have hindsight bias 100% if i've done well and i picked the, a good captain like harry kane let's just say he scores hat trick i've made him captain i'm convincing myself that i'm uh, i'm an absolute genius and you know that i knew all along that was going to happen when it doesn't go to plan and things don't go the way i expect them then i convince myself that i made the right decision even though things don't go to plan so for instance where you might have livermento on the bench and he's scored and he's kept a clean sheet and you're thinking oh he's my first sub he's not coming on I'll convince myself that I'll say, just like I said at the very beginning of this podcast, he, the reason why I've got him as a first sub is if Chelsea don't play all the defenders. They play all the defenders, Todd's all, and therefore he's not coming in. Don't worry about it. That's the way I kind of tell myself. So I have hindsight bias in that sense. How about you, mate? I definitely don't try and eliminate biases, biasness. I don't have the capability to do it for starters anyway, so why the point try and eliminate it? Not for me. And yeah, I don't really look at HG myself, to be fair. You know, it's not not something that I tend to look at. Um, you know, like you said, I like to look more at the, you know, what's the form of the player, the fixtures. You know, I think you know, I get a feel of that. I think, you know, with XG, I mean, you probably you probably like to think you've got a little bit of an understanding of our thought process behind it yourself anyway, I guess. I know it doesn't match the what the stats say necessarily, but I think, you know, you get rough ideas on those things. So I won't really go too much in detail, because I pretty much agree with what you said there, you know, the recency bias. Who doesn't go on to that? I think the only thing I might differ myself with is that I'll probably take a few more gambles uh, after a one good game week, you know, what I'll say is like, you know, let's take an example, like um, Smith Rowe at Arsenal at the moment, obviously in great form. Now, what I would have done when Smith Rowe had his first, you know, real good point scoring Bonanza against Spurs, 
you know, if I didn't have him in at that point, I'd have been getting him in then. I wouldn't be waiting you know, a week or two and then looking back at that, I'm sort of person who will be thinking, well, look, he's, he's done well there. He's going to be confident. And the next fixture is looking all right. Yeah, they are. Let's get him in now and let's hope the ball continues and, and, and work it that way. You know, that that's how I sort of do it. You know, I probably, you know, look at just the previous one because I'm hoping that, that strike while the iron's hot, you don't want to miss the boat, so you don't miss the gravy train, so to speak. So I'll probably not, you know, look back necessarily, you know, three games. Obviously, yeah, you do, I'm guessing, but if someone's had a good week and I've seen, I look back and they're like, oh, the previous two weeks weren't good, but I'm thinking, well, this could be the start, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely considering getting them in. You kind of have to remind yourself, though, that if you were using that Emil Smith row example, that you're not just bringing in a random person to fill an empty spot. You're still taking someone out. And therefore, you would assume that the person you're taking out, you've put a lot of time and effort into thinking about why they should be there. So, for instance, you've got Rafinha, and he's in your team. And Leeds just, it's just not working for him. You decide to bring in Smith Rowe. Unless Rafinha is injured, then realistically, you're taking out a player who's got potential with another player who's kind of hitting form or looks like he might hit form. But that's the reason why I'm always a bit sceptical about that. But yeah, that's, that's fair enough. I, I get you. I guess like I say, there've been all sorts of using the example earlier with Jamie Vardy and, and Rhea Mares that Leicester city season, incredible season. The earlier you got them in, the better you did that season because their value was just off the hook, you know, crazy. And if you kept kept hold of them, and if you dare captain them as the season went on, especially Vardy, I mean, scored what was it, mm. eleven games in a row or something in that period. Yeah, he got the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, it looked like every time he he shot, he scored basically. But yeah, I mean, it was such an odd season. Like I say, I I that was for me a really hard season because I was all I I didn't have any faith in Tottenham, didn't have any faith in Leicester, and they were the two arguably fighting for the title arguably because in the end they won it quite, quite comfortably but yeah if you had Fardy, Mares, and someone like I don't know like Wes Morgan or Fuchs or someone Danny Simpson or something like that and you got that early then you were having a good season from there so yeah, yeah I mean it, the earlier you can do it the better but I don't want to be making trans- yeah you don't want to be making transfers every single week or you know, more than one transfer every week because you don't want to lose points. We're moving on to Johnny Lawson. So defenders like Trent Alexander-Arnold and Cancelo, are they underpriced given their output? Probably would have to say so. I mean, look look at Trent, for example, right? Last three seasons, he's got 185 points, 210, 160. He's got 64 points at the moment. He's the third highest scorer in the game at the moment behind Cancelo and Salah. Now, yeah, granted, they're going to generally start, you know, lower. But, I mean, you know, if you, if you look at, for example, the points of advanced players up, up the pitch, you know, sort of thing, you know, he's, he's scoring just as high points as, you know, high-scoring midfielders who are deemed, you know, you know essential halves in the, in, in the league. So... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against it. But at the same time, you, I suppose there's always that feeling with defenders, well, how long is it going to last that way? You know, the team's going to start trying to 
Boston to just be played deeper, you know, will they, you know, can they do something about it? But um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there should be a, a cap on it at all. I don't, I mean, I don't think there is. I mean, you know, Trent, what did he, he start this season off at 7.5 million, which is very high for a defender still, you know, in, in this game. So I think it's reaching new heights at, at the sort of price that he was at. He's up to 7.7 now. Um, so he's, you know, he's gone up 0.2 million. You know, most has gone up 0.5 million. Should Trent have maybe gone up 0.3 million by now? Probably so, because, you know, Cancelo's gone up 0.4 million and he's got three, only three more points more than Alex, Trent Alexander-Arnold. So why has he not gone up as much as 0.2 less? It's, it's because of that price. Obviously, they don't want to start pricing out defenders, but you can make the game more challenging by doing that. Do they have a cap on it? I don't hear any... You never hear from anyone saying, oh, we've got a cap on defenders. We can't do that. It looks like there's a sort of like a cap line, doesn't it, from looking at it? But at the same time, there shouldn't need to be. No, I, I think I think you're right. I think that the fact is that, that there hasn't really been a time in football where one of the best teams in the league has a fullback taking all the corners and attacking free kicks. Like even when I think back to someone like Dennis Irwin, who might take a a penalty every now and then, and maybe a free kick, he, you know, he still had a lot of other players around him who were sharing that round. Ryan Giggs, for instance, or you know Lee Sharp. Realistically, it's really quite unique to have someone like him. And then when that's happened, it's almost become quite fashionable that your players, you know, again back threes back in the day were kind of seen as risky really like you know where you're going to get the most out of your players uh, your team by playing a back three well nowadays so many teams play it attacking mm. wing backs and i always seem to start the season with a a really good back five of attacking defenders because i just think oh, that, that, that's where it's more fun you know you mm. want to have defenders you don't want to have defenders who keep clean sheets you want to have defenders who might get an assist or a goal every now and then like for instance, uh, Trent, Cancelo, Soufal, even Luca Din. You know, there, there are all sorts of players who take corners. Luke Shaw actually now taking corners from both sides. He was taking it from one side last year. He's now taking them from both. How is that happening when you've got Bruno Fernandes in the pitch? You know, it's just, mm. it's crazy. But that's, that's the method they've got with. You know, he's obviously one of the smaller guys in the pitch and they're thinking to themselves, Bruno's not bad in the air, or he can just sit on the edge of the box, good strike of the ball. So put Luke Shaw on the corners. And obviously Luke Shaw, to be fair, does take a good corner, but that that then makes him quite a good. So I would say that if you compare him to, say, Farran Torres or someone like that, or Riyad Mahrez or something, who would you rather have, either of those two or Trent Alexander-Arnold? If Trent wasn't a defender and he was midfield, you still have him in. At seven million or seven and a half million, so I would say that I would be wouldn't be surprised if he's unless he gets an injury or something that he's eight million by the end of the season, maybe more, and the next season the FPL have to go with eight to eight point five, which would be unheard of, but it totally makes sense. There shouldn't be a cap. Couldn't agree more with you. Couldn't agree more. So that takes us on to to Pavlos. What are your thoughts on fantasy Premier League allowing a budget for a squad of 25 at the start of the season? People managing their squads and transfers only being allowed in the transfer windows. 
So basically doing what the Premier League squads are, having that 25-man squad and, and yeah, you know, being given a, a budget for that, I guess. I, I, I think it's a really good game in itself, but I don't think it's a very good business strategy for FPL themselves because I think that they want as much traffic coming through their website as possible so their sponsors obviously give them more money and therefore they've got more chance of keeping it going i would say that if you give everyone a 25 man squad they won't be as excited purchasing something used to mean a lot and it still does when it comes to fantasy football so if you have a squad of 25 you take away that excitement factor if you have a 25 man squad and they're having a stinker of a season you've basically got nothing to get excited about and therefore you you're only going to be substituting your players into that starting 11 for me there's nothing really maybe making captain maybe making a captain would be something that you might think about but you've always got 25 players until the first of january and then it becomes exciting again for a month so i just don't think it would be uh, a good idea. I, I I like the idea as as a game in itself, but I just don't think it would be very good for FPL. It's called Championship Manager. Yeah, yeah. I think, but I see where you go, where he's going with the idea and Pavlos and pretty intense and it's interesting trying to select that twenty five man squad at the start. But like you said, you then you go taking into fact a lot of factors as well, and you know you, you're gonna. You know, whatever budget was decided upon, what you get for that, you're going to sort of struggle. And then you're adding in more stipulations. Well, you can have what, four players from per, per team then. You know, also, you'd have to take in the fact, well, look, in the Premier League, in those 25, they've got to have the next amount of homegrown players. So you, would you have to do that? Would you have them, you know, with those restrictions we've put on you? So, you know, I like the concept of it, but I just, yeah, I, I agree. I think for FPL, it, it probably just makes it a bit too much. And you'd be, you would be surprised at how much time people can spend on their website looking at different options who they could transfer in for that coming game week. Like, I know it myself, like, especially when I'm doing a wild card, Jesus, honestly, I, I will be on that website like every day without a doubt. I don't know how, for how long, but I'll be probably spending my lunch break looking at it. It's so sad. But when it's wildcard time, I get right into it. I'll make millions of transfers because basically in my mind, I'm thinking my first, and it's a, it's a little little hint out there for you guys. When you get your wildcard and you know you're going to make it, and it's just, it's inevitable. Let's just say this, this game week coming up, I know that I'm going to play my wildcard for the game week, the next game week. What I would do is I'd play it straight away. As soon as this game week starts, I'll hit the game, you know, the, wildcard button make sure you hit the wildcard button we've had some horror stories about that and uh and and basically bring in all the players who have hit form irrelevant of whether you're going to keep them or not make sure you don't sub uh, make sure you don't transfer any out players who have gained some value that you might want to keep but just basically anyone who looks like they're going to drop value any players you're injured or whatever any players you don't want anymore and you know you're not going to need them or want them get rid of them as soon as possible and get all the players you think are going to go up in value. And then as the, the game week goes on and you get closer to the next game week, you can then decide 
I do want like, I don't know, Conor Gallagher. Do I want him? He's gone up to 6 million now or something like that. If I hadn't have made that decision like I had done, I might be buying him for 6.1, 6.2 rather than getting him at 5.9 or something, you know. I mean, they don't go up massively in value, but sometimes you can do it over an international break where it's two weeks and that can see them go up in value if they've had a very good, you know, time of it. So that's my little tip there, really. But yeah, I just think that, like I say, it could be quite a good game in itself. And in a way, I guess the the draft is is not too dissimilar, right? You can bring people in and out, but it's really about the squad that you've got, right? And that that hasn't really been that successful, the draft. I don't know how you think about it, mate, but I don't know many people who are playing it. And if they are playing, I don't hear many people talking about it like they do the normal FPL. I thought it was yeah, a great I idea mean, when it came out, but I mean, I, I do like the draft, and I've played it um, in the past, definitely, and stuff. I think it's it's quite good to just have that select squad. I, I think the way it fails is people are reluctant to do trades. I think that's yeah. what really bothers me about it. There's lack of trades going on, and I think that you know people don't want to trade the best players. You've got to really sort of convince somebody. If yeah, if someone gets in Salah in game yeah. week one, then yeah. Well, that's it, you know, and you then relying on who's got the um the, the trades at the end of the day. So I think you know that who's got the first pick in the draft, they're gonna go for Salah. The uh, who's got the second pick, they're gonna go for most more likely Harry Kane a lot of the time this year wouldn't have worked out for him. But you know, more often than not it's gonna work out. And um, I think you know, it, it's good to have some competitive edge in it and, you know, you've got to then work within the restrictions and you, you side. I think the key with the draft is you've got to have a set number of teams in it where it's not too bad, where you're struggling to get any players at all, you know, when it comes to, like, the 12, 13, 14, 15th picks in your squad where you just can't get anyone who's absolutely playing. I think you've got to not go too, too many players in, in your draft league. You know, I think 12 is probably where you're looking at as a good number, you know, between 10 and 12. There's enough players, but then you can also, you know, there'll be players available if your player's out of form and you can, you know, trade them off the free transfer list sort of thing. I think those things can, can work quite nicely for you, but it's, it is, it's an idea, but I don't, yeah, I don't think the draft's taken off as well as maybe they'd have hoped. But I think, you know, that's because the main game is, is that good? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll move on to our next listener. So, Convy has, has come up with, he's got four questions, in fact. So, uh, the first one is Who can you see being a breakout young star in FPL for the second half of this season? Young you can't say, you can't star. say Michael Bridges. <laughs> but I've got three yeah. I'm going to say. I've, I've got the, the guy that I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, Michael Elise at Crystal Palace, I think once he gets through, past his injury and he starts playing for Palace regularly, I think he'll be a star. Whether he gets that next level, because they've got that Eze, I, I think he might be back in January, but obviously I can't really claim him because he was a breakout star last year, really. But whether Elise hits those heights that Eze did last year, I'm not too sure. I've got Brian Gill at Spurs, now that uh, Conte's come in just think he's a good young player and I think he he'll really... play 
Still well, that's the thing. Hard. I think I, I think he may do. You know, that's the thing. He's a talented guy. It's just, I guess, it didn't fit into Espirito Santo's kind of game plan. So maybe the new manager, he might be brought in. And, and the other guy was um, Joe Geldhart at, at, um, at Leeds, who's like the the young Michael Owen, or as described by Jermaine Genus, young Lionel Messi, which was ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah, the, the, the potential, it's like the potential's there. And I mean... I'm, the reason I'm struggling on it is because I don't know whether these players are going to get the opportunity or not. I think if they got the opportunity, they could definitely do things in that. Um, I think the only one who potentially is looking like he's getting a few opportunities already is um, the lad Anthony Gordon at Everton. And especially given Everton's current form, why wouldn't you look to someone hungry like that? You know, he's, he's a very good player, well thought of. You know, he played against Spurs. Um, you know, I've seen him on match of day. He looks lively. I talked about him on match of day. Um, you know, I, I saw him in the under-21s of the week, uh, last, you know, last week as well. He scored goals. And, um, you know, I think, you know, he's he's probably the one who stands out for me. I mean, you've got the lad Palmer at Man City. He ain't really going to play much though this year. Not in the Premier League anyway. He might get some games in, in cup competitions. But, uh, you know, I, I just... I'm struggling to see who's going to really sort of, you know, take take that on really in in the in the second half of the season from a lot of clubs. If truth be told, at the moment, I think you know it's just I think you know a lot of clubs are if they if they're looking at breaking people through, they're probably going to go sign people in January. That's what tends to happen, and not not really the, you know the young lads who are going to come out. They generally come out in the first part of the season. I find, I feel and yeah. the second half of the season, clubs go and buy them. But that, that's why I sort of struggle. But I think the Anthony Gordon, if you have to maybe put somebody on that, I think he's one to maybe look at because I think he's he's starting to break into that starting Premier League side. And with Everton struggling at the moment, why not? You know, get that. He's he's hungry. You know, he he'll, he he wants to prove a point. He wants to be there, and you know, he can make a real big name of himself. So he'd be the one I would. I would go for out of anyone if if um if I'm forced to to have a pick. Yeah, I think I think like the the thing about the January transfer window is that if you get all your deals done, there realistically there sh- there doesn't really need to be youth players coming through. But there are certain teams like Everton seems to do quite a good job of this. Palace do a really good job of this, where they have an idea of bringing in a fullback or bringing in you know maybe a young striker or a young wide player or something someone who's not going to make a huge dent in the team if something goes wrong the second half of the season is the time i agree with you in a way but if you're free of relegation but you're not going for europe that's the time to play young players if you're in arsenal or something like that you know you might try certain players or something because you're not going to get into the top six or something i mean they might do this year Mm -hmm. but I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, my only other thought could be, you know, Liverpool got a couple of good young lads, and with the African Nations Cup, maybe a couple of them could come in. You know, Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones comes back. Obviously, Curtis Jones started making a name for himself, you know, a season or two ago, but maybe they could sort of then push into that when the likes of Salah and Mane away, maybe because Liverpool are going to have to do something there. And you know, they're the only two of us that you know I thought of, you know could maybe do something at Liverpool during the African Nations Cup. That would be their opportunity to shine, I would expect. 
Well, that, that, that leads us perfectly onto our next question. So will the African Nations Cup or the AFCON have, will, will it impact Liverpool more than any other team? Most definitely. I've, I've actually put down uh, one other team who will be affected more than Liverpool. You think they'll be affected more than Liverpool? Yeah. All right, I'll let you go, go on then. I put think... Your, put your case forward. I think that Watford are going to be affected more than Liverpool. And the reason why is because I know Liverpool have got Salah and I know they've got Mane, but I do still think they've got very good players to come in. And I'm sure that Klopp will get something out of certain players. Whereas Watford's easily best player, Ishmael Sarr, is going to be gone. We've got Emmanuel Dennis, who's gone. William Trusted Kong. You've got Imran Loser, Adam Messina. Like, we're going to have to do a lot of business in January to get around this. And that, that even leads me to think that maybe we might even sell Saar in January to someone like Newcastle because he potentially, they could be gone for a long time because it's, the AFCON apparently could affect something ridiculous like seven or eight fixtures if they go all the mm. way. And if you, if it, you know, I mean, for Watford, Saar, you know, he plays for one of the best African teams. So there's a good chance that they could go all the way. Yeah, I think what Watford will, I think Liverpool will be heavily affected, obviously, but not personally. I, I think mean, Watford will. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. The losing players are in a relegation battle, but, you know, I suppose I don't see it that way because I think you'll go down, unfortunately. You know, <laughs> that's not me. That's not me being a dick, So they, they are, they're, they're being not affected by it because they're already relegated. <laughs> in my eyes, yeah, pretty much, yeah. They're, they're down with the Norwich. You know they're not in the relegation zone at the moment, but it's just a matter of time. Whereas Liverpool, this will seriously hurt their title chances. You know, I can't... They don't have... I know club get things out of players and that, but I don't, they don't have the players to fully replace Mane and Salah. You know, you lose both of them. I mean, how long's Firmino out for at the moment? We don't know. I mean, so they're then going to just re- they've got Yota, and um, Yota's obviously going to be really heavily relied on. Then you know, Ricky comes in, not going to really you know deliver too much. Um, you know, but like I said, I suppose it's going to be an opportunity for those young lads to to come to come in and and sort of be like, well, yeah, you know, we've got a chance here. You know, the likes of Harvey Elliott. Uh, you know, Kurt Jones plays a bit deeper, but you know, Harvey Elliott can you know play one of the wide positions. But you know, I think they really need to go out there and get another player to to come on board. You know. Next question: Why do Northerners call fizzy drinks pop? When you open the bottle, it might make a little pop noise. You know. That's so it. it's not because yeah. the bubbles pop. No, nothing to do with that. No. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's just one of the ways things that we say that word, we say a different word. You know what? What you know? People in, in actually call them bam cakes. You know, some people call them tea cakes. Some people call them baps. You know. Okay. Okay. Next question: Is it time to bring in Kane? Look, this way he's gone on to got seven goals in two international games, granted against poor opposition, but if that doesn't give you a bit of confidence again. What it, what it is? You've got a new manager, one who's 
getting a bit more time to sort of start implementing how he wants his team to play. I'm sure Harry Kane's going to be a major part of that. He's done it over teams. He's turned players back into form. You know, Eden Hazard did it with at Chelsea. You know, they had Diego Costa. You know, you know, Conte has the qualities to make teams play to their strengths. And Harry Kane's definitely a major strength for Tottenham Hotspur. So I think, you know, if you've got the money to bring him in right now, then I think what's your better option? I don't think that, that you know, I'm still struggling to find it. You know, Lukaku injured, Antonio not in form, but massive price difference. But if you're looking for that and you can, and you think, well, maybe you're thinking, ah, oh, Cristiano's not really doing as well as I want him to be doing, then why, why not, I guess? So I think I can definitely see why people will be bringing him in this game because he's just hit a lot of goals and nothing brings strikers more confidence than goals, regardless of who the opposition is, to get confidence from it. And he yeah, sort of breeds more goals. Yeah, I, I kind of said to myself that, I mean, I've got him in my team only because of the way my team structured being a southern team. But I've like if if I if I had to pick a normal team, including Northerners as well, then I would basically give him one more week and see how Conte is affecting him as a player. A good game on there as well. Yeah. Leeds have not been at the best. They we always know Leeds concede goals. Yeah, you know, and I think Spurs gave him a, a, a scene to last season at, at, the, at the the stadium, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So I think you know it's definitely something to, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have, I'd probably have him be, be bringing him in for this game week if I could do if I could play in the full team. I'd, I'd be looking at that. Yeah, like I said, give him one more week. If he does well against Leeds and he's he's interested, then I'll be getting him in. And if he doesn't do too well and he doesn't look like he's interested, then I'll assume he's going to City in January. The answer is yes, but not sure when. <laughs> okay, that's that's all our FPL questions. Now, if you're interested in FPL, this could be where you finish the podcast and good luck to you, you know. Go off, do your thing, stick on, I don't know, your greatest hits of uh, Shania Twain or whatever you want to listen to. Shania if you... Twain. I don't know. What? I don't know. <laughs> but if, it's if, always Celine Dion over Shania Twain. Yeah, oh. maybe that's the next question. 